The Anchored City podcast is recorded in Anchorage, Alaska, on the traditional lands of the Denina Athabascan people. special Between the Seasons episode of the Anchored City Podcast. I'm your host, Joel Kiekenfeld. Back in November, at the annual Covenant House Candlelight Vigil, fentanyl was a theme of the evening. In the midst of experiencing 100 overdose by youth in just five months, Allison Kerr, the director of Covenant House, stated, according to one news account, that the young people in their programs have always struggled with suicide and addiction. But in her 27 years of working at Covenant House, she's never seen anything like it. She added, how horrible it must feel to want to escape so badly that you would take a drug that 50% of the people overdose on from one pill. And continued, it's not a matter of if we're going to have a death due to fentanyl, it's a matter of when. That candlelight vigil was underscoring the fentanyl epidemic that we're experiencing in Alaska. On this episode, we pick up where we left off on our last episode, sharing the information from the January 26, 2024 Discover the Truth About Fentanyl in Alaska gathering hosted by the FBI Anchorage Citizens Academy Alumni Association that was held at the Petroleum Club of Anchorage. On this episode, we'll hear a series of short talks given by the panelists at the event, recorded live. And there are deserts that I have yet to and I have dreamed of faraway places Where imagination just gets lost And I would search the wide world over For one proverb that is true But of all the roads I'll ever walk I just So continuing along one of the legs of the stool, or should I say pushing on one of the legs, we now have law enforcement. And Captain Sims is going to speak to us concerning the fentanyl crisis. What is law enforcement seeing, Captain Sims? How is fentanyl getting into Alaska? And how can the public help? And I'm very interested in the supply chain. I just wrote a book global supply chain with AI. And so you really have to address global supply chain somewhere in there. But please, share your thoughts with us. Good afternoon, or good evening. I'm just going to hold this thing because that's not going to work. <laughs> All right. Uh, good evening. Uh, I, I want to thank everybody for being here and uh, the opportunity to share with you on, on uh, 
the fentanyl crisis, and of course it's coming on the heels of what's been, I mean, for a lot, culminated with a press conference uh, yesterday, but it's been a long, as Bruce can attest to, a, uh, you know, years of investigations and hard work by hundreds of, honestly, hundreds of law enforcement officers uh, in this state and assisting us from outside of the state uh, in, in that effort. Um, so briefly, I am the, the captain and uh, the commander for the statewide drug enforcement unit, and I have 29 troopers that, that work for me. Uh, and as part of that, we also are, are part of HIDA, and there's three HIDA initiatives in the state, Southeast, uh, kind of help you, it's broken up by judicial districts in the state of Alaska, and go, well, there's four judicial districts, don't worry, we're working on the fourth one. Uh, before, I, before I walk out as uh, the captain, I will see that we have all the whole state uh, covered as a HIDA initiative uh, is my goal, and I've expressed that to the HIDA director, um, and it's his goal as well. So uh, the, what, what lies outside of that is um, kind of the Nome Kotzebue region. Uh, and so it, and it's a little different in Alaska because we don't have counties like most states do, and most states are broke up by county, and, and the HIDA initiatives are therefore broke up within counties. And uh, so because Alaska does not, they decide to go with the judicial districts. Um, and because of the way Alaska is set up or the way it is, uh, you know, our hub communities. So obviously our major hub communities, and I'll talk more about this. If you look at Anchorage, Fairbanks, uh, all those are kind of your, your bigger ones. Juneau, uh, those are going to be your, your major. And then you have your smaller hubs, which would be your, your you know, Kenai Peninsula areas. And then you can even go a little bit smaller, and you're, that's when you run into your Bethel and your Dillingham. Um, and so that's kind of how they broke it up. And somehow Nome and Cots got left off of that, but let me tell you, they're they are definitely a hub for drugs, uh, illicit drugs going to the smaller sabungas and the smaller communities in Alaska. Got some notes here. Uh, just want to point out, so in 20, I'll come back to this number. I'll, I'll share the number with you here in a second. So after the, the spike and the overdose deaths as that uh, Bruce talked about earlier and uh, what we saw, there was an initiative made where we actually pulled, we already had a, a contingency that works, uh, well, that it's, it's out there, where it works in the international, Anchorage International Airport. Uh, and their goal before, it was passenger addiction. That's what they, they're very good at identify, identifying passengers that just don't fit coming to Alaska uh, and basically doing their job and they get tips. We get information on people coming in. There's people that will call and say, hey, so-and-so just left this state, headed for your state, you might want to bump into them. Uh, and they are very good at what they do. Um, but we knew there was other avenues that drugs, you know, the question is, was one of the questions was, how do drugs get into Alaska? How does anything get into Alaska? Same way, uh, you order something on Amazon and it comes through whatever, whatever delivery service ends up putting on your front doorstep and your ring doorbell lets you know it's there, uh, drugs are getting in the same way. And, and Bruce talked about this as well. It's getting in through uh, parcels. It's getting in from body carry and somebody's luggage. Uh, it's coming in on the ferry, um, shipment containers. We, we, we're, it comes over the roadway, but let's talk about, I mean, you want to talk about supply chain and demand, and that's a long road to drive. Uh, and then you got, you know, the, the border you have to go through and customs. So that's a long road for, for people to drive. And so 
you see it, we're seeing it more. Um, doesn't mean it's not coming in that way, but we're definitely seeing it more coming in uh, through parcel and through through body carry, just and, and through the through the mail itself. So, in a response to that, we uh, decided to take three of our wildlife investigators. Uh, there's more than that, but three of those wildlife investigators to work with uh, part of our airport team to focus on parcel, and they started working with uh, the parcel services and started really looking at packages that were coming in and we started uh, seizing a lot so i'll go back to my numbers here in 2022 and i'm just going to talk uh fentanyl uh alaska had a siege the seizures of fentanyl was uh, 26 kilograms in 2023 and this actually isn't because we actually pulled this number beginning of December and so the end of December so it doesn't have December's numbers in it all I know we had some pretty big seizures in December as well this year or last year but that number was uh, 83 and a half kilo, uh, kilograms of, of fentanyl is what we seized um, in this state so what are we continuing to do uh, we are still continuing we're, we're focusing on uh, well, combating it and Obviously, as has been said multiple times, uh, we can't do it alone. We know we won't seize our way out of this problem. We know we can't arrest our way out of this problem. Uh, but with the help of citizens, uh, easiest way to do it is AK Tips. There's actually an uh, app you can download and you can be anonymous or you can be who you wanna be. Um, but that's, I get those tips every morning. My investigators get the tips every morning, depending on their area. Uh, they go out, uh, I get them for all of the areas uh, just because of my position. And we, we follow up on those. And what I tell everybody, a lot of times people will call and say, hey, I think my neighbor, or hey, I think this person, or hey, I think that person, and then they don't see that person go to jail the next day. Um, as Bruce uh, pointed to out earlier, a lot of times these investigations take a long time. And so it's, as those tips come in, we continue to use those tips, continue to build on those tips. Uh, sometimes that tip leads to uh, a, well, a bigger fish, somebody that's higher up, I'm a big fan of uh, chopping off the head of a snake and not the tail of a snake um, because I want to stop it and dismantle it and disrupt these drug, uh, these drug, cart, uh, drug trafficking organizations. Um, that's, that's what I tell my guys. That's our goal. Uh, hold, let's hold them accountable. Uh, they think they can bring drugs into our state. Um, we'll find them. We'll arrest them. And we will hold them accountable. It's just that simple. Um, I've seen the devastation it's caused. I've been all around Alaska, and I've seen communities go from very upbeat, lively communities to uh, one I was in recently. It was hard to recognize uh, the community I was I was back in, and, and it hits it hits home. It, it hurts uh, because um, you just see the devastation. You see the hurt and the pain uh, that it's causing. Uh, so. Our, my analogy, and I'll, I'll end it with this, uh, my analogy is, so the way I look at Alaska, and some of, some of the questions we get is, it seems like a lot of the focus is here on Anchorage. Um, I, so I look at Alaska as a ship, and if my ship runs aground and gets holes in it, I, wanna, I want to plug the biggest hole first. And I know, and I can say, and I can look at all of you and say, the biggest hole is that airport. Uh, because that's where parcels, every, any parcel that comes into the state of Alaska comes in through Anchorage. I don't care if it's going to Juneau, if it's coming into Alaska, it's coming in through Anchorage. Uh, some don't all, not all go out through Anchorage, but that's a whole other story. Uh, but so 
that's that that's a big hole. That's why we put our focus. That's where we have our guys now. I do have said I have 29. Not all 29 of them are the, uh, the Anchorage Airport. Trust me. Um, we have, I have it's on our website, Kenai Peninsula, uh, Kodiak, um, Juneau, Bethel, Nome, Cottesview, Dillingham. Uh, so if it gets out of Anchorage, we work with wherever it's going and the investigators there will pick it up. And if it gets out of there into one of the smaller communities, uh, we continue to pick it up from there. And like I said, we will continue to, to run it down to uh, even the smallest villages of Savunga, Dillingham, you name it. Um, there's, there's nowhere I won't go in the state to hold somebody accountable. It's just that simple. Thank you very much, and congratulations on the big case you just cracked. Okay, continuing with our themes, we're now going to venture into vulnerabilities. So, Ms. Berger, you deal with vulnerabilities our young people are facing in Anchorage. In light of the fentanyl crisis, can you share some experiences, how you dealt with these vulnerabilities, and how certain groups are targeted, and why they are targeted? So first, I did not sign up to have to stand in a podium. I thought we were going to be sitting. But we'll do it. We'll do it. You could go sit. We'll do it again. But I wander if I stand just for you. So thank you so much. My name is Randy Brigger. I am the Senior Director of Programs at Covenant House. I've been there for um, nearly two and a half years. And I come from a wide variety of background of crime victimization, um, predominantly in domestic violence and sexual assault. Um, I've actually known the captain for about a decade, and I kind of forget sometimes that he's a badass. So. <laughs> I'm sure we can tell you different stories. <laughs> so one thing I really um, want to convey about Covenant House is we have a full continuum of care. So we are providing services and interventions for young people ages 13 through 24. Um, all the way from at the beginning of our continuum, where through our street outreach program, which we have Josh and Tavai in the back who do street outreach, um, and that effectively means they are going where our young people who are experiencing homelessness are, into camps, into hangout areas, um, any kind of gathering that we can find where we have vulnerable young people, they're going there to try to talk to them about our services. Ultimately, we want them to come to us, maybe um, come stay in our emergency shelter services, maybe come get into a transitional living program, whatever that looks like for that young person. But ultimately, we're trying to provide an intervention and meet basic needs, such as housing, food, clothes, all the things that sometimes we take advantage or take for granted because we can't move into those higher level issues such as substance use, misuse, um, without addressing some of those core needs. 
So fentanyl um, is impacting our young people just like it's impacting many other subpopulations in, uh, in Alaska. Our young people that we serve are at a particularly high level of vulnerability um, due to largely extensive histories of trauma. Um, I really appreciated the three-legged stool analogy. Um, and I think what kind of sits on top of that, though, is systems change. Um, not only are our young people experiencing lifelong, very complex histories of trauma that are making them more vulnerable and susceptible to using drugs as a coping mechanism, um, they're also targeted by their experiences by drug dealers themselves. We've struggled with young people who become very low-level dealers and come right into, you know, our world, you know, at Covenant House uh, to deal because the dealers know that they have really solid access uh, to customers there. Um, the other piece about fentanyl is, that kind of strikes me, is that if it's, when it's not fentanyl, if it's not fentanyl, it's going to be something else. Um, so we see the cyclical trends with a number of different um, substances. The difference with fentanyl is that it is so much more dangerous than some of the other drugs that we have seen, you know, over the decades experiencing those trends. Um, and that's where I really like to focus on that intersectionality of what people are experiencing in our communities. If we don't start putting, uh, I'm gonna use interdiction, if we don't start having interdictions at certain other levels, including reducing the customer base by effective um, addressing of traumas that our young people are experiencing, it is going to be a trend that we see continuing. Um, and unfortunately with our young people, um, just at our small nonprofit agency serving as, you know, as many young people as we can, but generally between 800 and 1,000 young people a year, we had an over 800% increase in overdoses from 2022 to 2023. Um, and not just overdoses. What we're seeing is a dramatic increase in our staff having to provide life-saving measures on top of in administering Narcan, which we'll talk about later. So we have staff and even young people doing it for each other out on the streets and sometimes you know right around the corner of us having to administer multiple doses of Narcan and it's not as effective because the formulas of these drugs continue to change and then they're having to move into life-saving measures. So for us we had nearly an average of one time a week where our staff were performing CPR and or using an AED. Um, and I know I'm gonna embarrass Dubai and uh, Josh here, but they have literally saved young people's lives. Um, so that's a cause of a whole nother level of, of trauma and secondary trauma for, for our staff. Um, but really, I guess what I wanna convey, and I think Sandy did a great job, is it is not just a certain type of demographic. It's not a certain type of person um, that this is impacting. It is impacting people, especially young people, um, across the board. But we have to understand too that especially for uh, dealers and different criminal enterprises, they are 
systematically targeting people who have these high level of vulnerabilities to utilize you know, them for healing and or a customer base, getting them addicted to a substance that they may not have otherwise used. We've had stories where um, young people have shared with us that the dealers were giving it to them for free. Because once you get them hooked, then you can slowly rise the prices. Um, special agent also mentioned you know, the co-occurrence between human trafficking and dealing, which we are seeing very predominantly with our young people. Um, because often it will start off as something like survival sex. Because a dealer got them addicted to now a substance that they slowly can't afford anymore, and they have to start exchanging other things of value that they have, which unfortunately, for many of our young people, all they have is their bodies. Um, so right now, we're at this kind of crisis point within our agency, just trying to stop the bleeding, quite honestly. Um, so we really appreciate all the work that everybody on this panel is doing every day, because it's going to take all of those different approaches to make an impact. Um, and it's going to take community involvement really to help us evaluate what gaps we have in our systems that are helping perpetuate um, this, this high level of use, quite honestly. But thank you. So, Mr. Diaz, what would you like the community to know about the treatment DOA Alaska provides and the support available for youth? Also, can you share ways you can, are an advocate and an ally for those who battle with the misuse of substance and how you are actively engaged within the recovery and mental health field? Well, first of all, I'd like to thank everyone on the panel and everyone that's here tonight um, because this is information that is needed to be put out there. Um, my name is Carlos Diaz. I am the um, director for our integrated services with Volunteers of America, Alaska. I've been with VOA now for about two years. Um, you know, I've been fortunate. I've been, I've been able to speak on many platforms, on many different levels, when it came to substance use um, and, and what we're talking about tonight, fentanyl. And every time I get on up here to a microphone, I get a little bit nervous, but then I remember that this isn't about me. This is bigger than every person that's in this room, right? Because this, this is very real. There is not a doorstep in the United States of America that has not been affected by addiction through a family member, through a relative, through a friend, through a brother, through a cousin, it has affected us all. So for it to be, for us to be here tonight and to be speaking about what's happening in our state, this is important, very important. So I'm super grateful to be up here. Um, you know, I'm a lot of things. I, I, I get to work with amazing people. Behind all of it, I'm a person in long-term recovery. So I understand what connection means. I understand what relation means. And I understand what it means to have a mind of a person who has to strive to live by the needs that he believes is what's going to make him 
be alive in that moment. So today I get to work with our youth. VOA provides services for youth from ages 12 through 24. There, I think there's a big misconception when people ask about treatment. So I, I just, I wanna clarify this. Treatment is not a cure. It's not, for those that, that may have never experienced it or don't understand exactly what it is, there's, I wanna say, 17 noted different pathways to recovery and many more. And I would never prescribe recovery to anyone that was that of my own. So treatment forms, they come in different, different forms. Different, there's different varieties of treatment, right? But what it's not, it's not a hospital where someone is in a bed and they have doctors watching over them. So VOA Alaska, for example, we have many different programs because, and I'm sure you guys have heard this saying, it's important to meet them where they're at. And how do we do that? How do we meet a 12-year-old child where they're at? How do we do that prior to the effect being death or the result being next to death? And these are the things and the areas that we focus on. We have clinicians throughout, I think, 11 or 12 schools here in Anchorage where if we're having troubles in the school or the students are having troubles, they have someone they can go to. There's resources, right? And I would love all day long to talk about all the resources we provide because just like any other agency, we, we want to give our best. It's about the services that we provide. But at the end of the day, what it's really about is community. It's about community partnership. Because I think someone just before me said it, we can't do this alone. So integrated services, integrated, for those that may not understand what that means, we no longer ignore co-occurring disorders. Meaning mental health and substance use disorders go hand in hand. Imagine a child being 13 years old that has no comprehension of depression. And after three or four times of substance use now is living with depression. That's where the integrated services comes in. So we, we work with youth that are dealing with substance use disorders. We work with youth that are dealing with mental health disorders or both. And usually it's both. And to hear the numbers today, it really, it really brought me to a place because I, I've been thinking ever since I got invited to speak about the things I wanted to say. I wanted to touch on our program and I wanted to stand up next to every amazing person in here that, that is, that's spoken and that is going to speak. But I want to be very transparent with everyone because this is very, very real. It is happening to many families, not just the families that I know or you may know. It's happening to the people that we work with. Treatment, we are there to assist. We are there to give everything that we possibly can to see a person have a continuance of care where they can live a life after. Because people can make it. I'm living proof of that. And to hear the amount of fentanyl that's coming into Alaska, this story that was shared about her son, 
that story has been happening over and over and over, and it's going to continue to. That's why these panels, that's why this information is so extremely important. I'm gonna give you guys the best piece of what treatment really is. So if you just bear with me for a second, I'm gonna ask you guys to stand up just for one second. And if you can't stand, just raise your hand, please. For everyone that is in this room tonight, this is what treatment is. People that have the courage to rise to the occasion. People that have the courage to show up for those that need us to. Because it's in our schools, it's in our fields of work, it's in our homes. And unless we rise to the occasion, and unless we continue to push forward, it's not gonna stop. Thank you guys for standing up. so much for listening. For more information on how you can get involved in addressing and responding to the fentanyl epidemic, go to health.alaska.gov slash osmap slash pages slash hope dot ASPX. You can also go to www.inomine.org slash topic slash opioid hyphen overdose hyphen response hyphen kit or go to akfentanylresponse.com. These links are listed in the show notes. Join us on our next episode for more on this urgent topic. Until next time, I'm Joel Kiekenfeld. Be good out there. Thank you so much for listening. We're grateful for you, our listeners. If you are grateful for what you're hearing, please rate, review, and subscribe to this podcast on Apple Podcast or wherever you listen, and recommend us to your friends. Those are small things, but they make a huge difference. The Anchored City Podcast is a production of the Anchorage Urban Training Collaborative. The mission of the collaborative is to train the heads, hearts, and hands of urban leaders to love their city and seek its peace. When we say peace, we mean a desire to see a world where all things are the way they're supposed to be for all people. Find us online at anchorageutc.org or on social media at Anchorage UTC. Resources used to make this episode can be found in the show details. Our theme music is by Anchorage's own Monica Lettner. <laughs> <laughs>